Kia ora, and welcome to the Story Hub podcast, helping you live smarter and be inspired by the journeys of successful Kiwi professionals. We believe you can learn from others' mistakes and achievements, and that what is possible for your life is greater than you currently imagine. My name is Kathan, your host and creator of the Story Hub. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the podcast. Hey, have you ever felt that you were underqualified and undeserving of the job or praise people give you? It can be such a hard thing, especially in New Zealand because of tall poppy syndrome. It encourages that type of thinking. And this week, we have Jeff McLucky, a director at KPMG and tech consultant. And Jeff shares about his journey in IT before coming to KPMG as a consultant with no experience in consulting. It is a jarring shift to be a lateral hire so high up in the org chart, and Jeff shares freely about his own journey in overcoming imposter syndrome, and shares fantastic tips for high performers so they aren't caught up in the never-ending grind so many others are. This conversation is helpful for people in all stages of their journey, so I hope you are ready to learn. Let's jump into episode three of season two on the Story Up podcast. All right, so what do I do? Um, so at the moment, I'm a director in, at KPNG and uh, working our con- technology consulting group. Now, what that means is I do delivery, so doing some work. I do sales and business development, and I help look after our people, and I help kind of set the direction for our part of the business. So technology consulting is, is a reasonably broad remit. So we do things from kind of guiding strategy and investment. We help deliver technology projects, and we actually do some software implementation as well. Um, so that's kind of the, the very brief two-minute version of what I do. I guess what it means in practice I work with clients to help them understand how to structure themselves to deliver technology. I help our clients understand why their technology projects aren't going well. Um, we, I help our clients deliver technology to be better at what they do. And at the same time, I'm out there trying to meet new people, um, build relationships with clients, keep relationships with clients, and then also look after our people and make sure that they are progressing through their careers, doing what they want to do and learning what they want to learn. So that's kind of what I do now. Um, I guess a little bit about kind of how I got here. That can be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I probably didn't take the normal path to a consulting career. Um, I didn't go to uni right after high school. I bummed around at home for a year and was generally useless and played a lot of games um, <laughs> before I kind of got told uh, by my parents I needed to sort myself out. So I said, okay, cool, moved up to Auckland and got a job. Um, my first job was working at a small IT company called New Era IT that did uh, IT for schools. And that first job was very much unpacking computers from boxes, putting them on desks, installing software on them, generally doing the running around. Mm. Now, the the bonus of that was a small organisation that grew really quickly, so I had an opportunity to learn really fast and sort of move up really fast in that organization. So I've always been passionate about IT and computers. Yeah. Um, so it was a great opportunity to, to kind of build a career in that. Now, from there, I then went to work at um, sort of a small medium business um, or consult, uh, consulting firm for small medium business doing IT. And at that point, I realized that I probably was probably going to need a degree at some point in my career. So mm. I started doing distance learning through Massey. So I did my Bachelor of Business Studies. So that took me about six years because I was doing it part-time while I was working. And while I was doing that, 
I moved from the company I was at to Datacom. I think everyone in IT in New Zealand has worked for Datacom at some stage of their career. Uh, did, did some years at Datacom, then went contracting for about five, 10 years, finished my degree while I was doing that. And while I was contracting, I was doing quite technical roles. So I was doing IT infrastructure, I was an architect and engineer, projects, that type of stuff. Um, and then I had the opportunity when um, my, the CIO from where I was contracting at joined KPMG as a partner mm. and sort of gave him the opportunity and said, hey, do you want to give this consulting thing a go? And at the time, I was pretty bored with what I was doing. I was kind of, I think I was quite good at it and, you know, but kind of got same thing over and over and over again. So I said, okay, cool, I'll give this consulting thing a go. Um, joined KPMG um, and sort of got really uh, challenging experience, I think, joining a mm. consulting firm. Um Moving from an environment where I knew everything about everything I was doing because it was all IT technical stuff, um, surrounded by people that, you know, were at my level or I knew a bit more than them about technology, to all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that have spent their whole career doing supply chain and I don't know anything about supply chain and I'm never going to know as much as that person about supply chain. Um, so that was quite challenging. Yeah. And equally the the role of in a consulting firm is a, is a heck of a lot bigger than what I was doing previously. You know, I had a very narrow technical focus, get systems in, get them up and running, make sure they work, fix them when they break. Whereas consulting is a heck of a lot bigger than that. I mean, depending on what area you're in, it's generally client has a problem, understand the problem, figure out how we're going to solve the problem. And that could be new or different every time you do it and then help them to fix that problem. And mm. that was really, really challenging at first. And I think it, it made me realize how much of my, I don't want to call it ego, but sort of self-confidence and self-worth was tied up in being good at my job. Yeah. Um, and when you move into all of a sudden you're, you're learning the ropes, you're surrounded by people that look like they know how to do everything far better than you are. <laughs> it's, it can be really tough. You kind of think, what am I doing here? Um, and that probably took... For me, a good two years to kind of get over and get comfortable with what I was doing. And there are probably a, f a few things that kind of got me through that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so the first off, we do, you know, being a consulting firm, we do not personality tests, but kind of what we, one of the ones that we call is, is lifestyles inventory. And it kind of charts your behaviors across three areas and it's humanistic, encouraging, defensive and aggressive. So you do a self-assessment where you kind of rate yourself and then you do a, a peer assessment where your mm. peers assess you. So I did my self-assessment and came back and scored very low across a lot of them and quite high in, in um, passive defensive and, you know, spoke with the person doing this and said, oh, you know, that's it's normally related to confidence. And I said, well, yep, totally get it because this was six months in and I was still going, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what have I done? Um, and then about probably a few months later, I did the um, the peer assessment and that was a totally different story. And that came back with uh, rated very highly in humanistic encouraging. So basically everyone thought I was this great people person. They thought I was, you know, really encouraging. They thought I was great with people, um, which was the exact opposite of kind of how I viewed myself yep. at the time. And that was kind of a, a, bit of kick, a bit of a kick in the ass to go, oh, actually, maybe I'm being a bit hard on myself here. <laughs> yeah. um, and if these people think I'm good at it, maybe I'm good at it. And I think that's where I think I started to kind of really find my feet and go, mm -hmm. okay, cool, I can do this, you know, sort of establish a little bit of that, that belief. 
Um, and I think part of it is, you know, coming from a technical background and a technical role where you kind of, there's a way to do things and you make sure you do them properly and then you get a good result. In consulting, there's a ton more amb ambiguity yeah. and you really have to be more comfortable with, I have problem solving skills. We as a group will come up with a solution to this problem using those skills and then together we will implement that and make it work. Um, and that was a real change um, from kind of, here's how to fix the thing, I'm gonna go fix the thing, great, we fixed the thing. Um, so this, yeah, so that, that, was, that was probably finding my feet um, in consulting and that kind of took me from the, oh, oh God, what have I done? Um, what am I doing here to, okay, cool, I think I can do this job. And the next kind of, um, what would I call it? The next stepping stone for me was moving from being an associate director to a director. Mm. Um, and, and just for clarity, I joined KPMG as, as what we call a lateral hire where you, you don't work your way up through consulting. So it is quite different if you're joining as a, as a grad or an, as, an, as an advisor. Um, joining as an associate director, the expectations were very high. So an associate director is, we expect you to be able to deliver stuff. We expect you to be able to, to do some selling and we expect you to be able to manage people and projects. So coming in at a senior level is quite challenging. Um, so yeah, I was that something you did before in your IT thing of actually the managing people? No, not at all. So I, I was a contractor for 10 years. So oh, wow. <laughs> as a contractor, you're very much, hi, I'm here to do a job and I'll do my job and I'll do it really, really well. So uh, no managing people, no um, self-improvement from a, you know, like company training point of view. It was just you know, here, do your job, have your dollars go home. So that's a big jump <laughs> like, yeah. to fair to say like except at the same time even though you just said you like at the start rated yourself really low yeah everyone actually just agreed with that it seems and actually you're doing really good at it so i have yeah. to ask was that something you felt came naturally or was so i think it does i, I think i didn't see it in myself which mm. was probably the big realization but I, I think it does come naturally and, and for me it's just about you know being a decent human being you know mm. I, I don't think there's any great mystery or special source when it comes to being a good manager you know there's skills you learn around you know if you're talking about it in a project sense you know making sure we're sticking to budget and scope and things like that but as far as managing people um if you just treat them as a human being and have some empathy and mm. are reasonable um, I mean, that, that's how it seems to me, um, <laughs> yeah. and it seems to work. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a work context, it's a little bit different because you kind of have to balance the, you can't be all for that person all the time. You know, you're yeah. in the construct of a business. They need to be performing to what the business is expecting. Um, and that can be really challenging, and I've, I've gone through that a couple of times in the last few years of, you know, managing the performance of an employee when they're not performing. Um, and that's very different, and that's quite hard. But as far mm. as... You know, looking after people. If it's in a positive light, I, I find it really easy. You know, you want that person to succeed. You want that person to be promoted. You want that person to be working on stuff they want to do. So, um, yeah, I think it ties into the bigger story of of seeing a lot of these skills as, you know, mysterious, and I have to spend years learning them and things like that. I think there's absolutely just natural components to them that you just mm. have to be confident in. Yeah, because I think that total thing of going in the workplace actually caring for others mm. wasn't always the story like that whole stereotypical over the shoulder manager yeah. and that's something you are not at all like, yeah. like and it's the thing of going like actually building that as you're saying just care for people as a decent yep. human being 
I think it's totally interesting what you're saying here about when people don't perform. Mm. How do you really approach that? <laughs> like, like if we, right. that's something as a young professional, like yeah. we get there and like, I, I like to think a lot of our listeners are hard workers and yeah. we try to get up then, but that's an extremely challenging thing. Mm. So, so I think the, the, the key element for me, and we've talked about this with my boss is you have people that are aware that they're underperforming and mm. people that aren't aware they're underperforming. And the second group is a lot harder because you have to bring them around to awareness of yeah. actually you're not at the level that we expect you to be. Um, coming from the the individual who is being managed perspective, I find it's always, the gap is almost always about expectations and mm. understanding that from the person who is assessing or leading you, you know, what are the expectations of my role? Because Personally, what I'm very good at is building a set of ridiculous expectations that are impossible to meet and then f measuring myself against them, finding myself wanting and going, well, well, obviously I need to do more before I meet these expectations. And I personally found that when I was going for a director promotion and I said, okay, cool, well, what does directors do? And I, I looked around me at my fellow, at, at the directors and go, oh, they, they must just have this extra something that I just, I don't have yet. Um, and these these are all the things I need to do. But when I actually sat down and spoke with, you know, my boss, who's a partner and the rest, it's kind of like, well, what do you expect? You know, mm -hmm. what, what what do you need for this? There were very clear set expectations and actually I was meeting at 90% of them and I just needed to top wow. up a couple. So I think that is really, really important is actually understanding what's expected of you. And, and that information coming from the person who's actually doing the assessing. Because ah, I think that's the key. other part is, you know, this, this tribal knowledge of, oh, well, you got to do this to get promoted and you got to do that. No, I don't find healthy. You know, if, if you've got a an honest, decent manager mm. and you can say, well, look, what do you expect out of me? What what are you, what am I not doing? What am I doing? And, and taking the opportunities for those conversations. And mm. we have them as... So, for example, at KPMG, you have a performance manager who's kind of your career advancement, pastoral care, ongoing kind of relationship, and then you have engagement teams that you are part of. Yeah. And both are op opportunities for feedback on performance. Yeah. So you have your relationship with your performance manager where you're talking with them about what you want to do, but your engagement managers are the people you're dealing with day to day. Mm. So it's taking the opportunity during an engagement, at the end of an engagement, you know, what went well, what could I have done more of, what could I have done less of, you know, after a workshop, particularly when you're first starting, there's a real expectation that, you know, you're there to learn. So, you know, after, and we did it, you know, on a couple of bits of work, right? So after, before the meeting, you know, what, what do you want me to be doing? Should I be yeah. sitting here quietly? No, I want you to participate. You know, what mm. is that? You know, post meetings and workshops, oh, how did that go? What could I have done differently? What have I learned? So just really taking the opportunity. Yeah. Um, those, those would probably be the things for me. So making sure you're getting, asking and getting feedback from the right people on what's expected and what's not to understand how you're performing. Um, mm. Then you don't get slammed at the end of, you know, midway through the year going, oh, no, you're doing a terrible job. You know, you, you should, that should never be a surprise. You should be having those yeah. conversations often and early. Mm, I guess it's that constant search for that feedback and learning. Mm. Yeah, and with, without being over the top, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be the person pestering the guy, you're pestering your engagement manager every morning going, how am I doing today? How am I doing today? How am, <laughs> you know, there's a balance. Yeah. Um, but just initiating that dialogue so that they're aware that you're wanting to learn, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to understand how you're going. Mm. What I find interesting about your story for sure mm. is like, 
you covered it so fast. It's, it's so rich. I'm actually like going, yeah. this incredible IT career and then yeah. coming into consulting. And so you're explaining, you know, that gap mm. between where you thought you were yeah. and where you actually were. Mm. And we've had conversations between us which I've absolutely valued. And I think it's an important thing which young professionals today just need to be told about around imposter syndrome. Yeah. And so would you be able to share your journey a little bit? Yeah, with sure. That? Um, and I think it's, it's all the same things that, that I kind of touched on there, right? So imposter mm. syndrome, and it's really common with people coming into consulting firms. And I've, I've spoken with a number of peers um, across a number of industries that, that hit the same thing. And it's really coming in and looking around and going, I'm not good enough. Um, the people around me are obviously better than me at this. Um, what the hell am I doing here? Um, and I've spoken with you know ex-military people that have sort of moved into corporate careers, really find that. Um, and it is really just moving into that new environment where it's all different and you, you kind of have to get up to speed. Um, so my, my experience with it, has, as I explained, was kind of joining a consulting firm and then there's a lot to learn when you join a consulting firm. Yeah, I think it even applies to like people coming out of uni. Of yeah, being in this thing of going there and yeah. suddenly, so yeah, what? I mean, uni environment, and I'm, I'm not trying, I don't want to bag students, but you, you can pick the ones that come out of uni that are obviously done really well at uni, and all of a sudden you join as a grad, and suddenly you're not the top of the pack anymore. You know, you're not mm. the top of the pile. It's actually welcome. Clearly, you're very smart. You've got a lot to learn. Let's go forward and do that. And the people that make that adjustment do really well. Yeah. The ones that don't make that adjustment and still think they're the most amazing thing since sliced bread and aren't <laughs> and aren't in that sort of open learning mindset really struggle. Um, mm. And look, as I said, I had the exact same thing joining a consulting firm as a senior person. And people around you almost expect a level of competence that you don't feel you have. So you, you kind of go home at the end of the day and go, oh, God, you know, what am I doing? And look, my, my natural response was just to work harder and just do more. And that was, okay, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to do more work at home so that I, I catch up or do or yeah. get ahead and all that type of stuff. And, you know, that started to impact, you know, relationships and family and I've got kids and the, the rest of it. So I was, I was really lucky that I had a wife that said, hey, honey, this isn't working. You know, you need to sort this out. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was very lucky to kind of have that feedback. Um, and look, it, as I said, there was no one thing that fixed it. Mm. I, I think part of it was going back, I would have loved to have had the, the forethought to actually sit down with my boss and go, hey, what are you expecting out of me You know, as a mm. lateral hire coming in? Because at the end of that year, I sat down with my boss and he says, oh, you're doing fine. You know, first year is always really tough for people joining a consulting firm and I think you're doing really well. Wow. And if I'd had that conversation <laughs> nine months earlier, I could have saved myself a lot of heartache, right? Yeah. Um, but I, it comes back to the building these expectations um, with nothing really to back them up. You just build the story of, of kind of what it is. And I probably had it again as I say, when I when I was coming up for this director promotion thing, and yeah. and going, oh, well, you know, clearly I'm I'm not good enough yet to be a director. You know, it's it's a big jump and what it all is. And again, getting that feedback, what is it, and what I need to do, and then getting there, and then realizing there's no special amazing thing. The people up here are struggling with the same stuff I'm struggling with. You know, it's mm. you know the the people above you in a hierarchy aren't magic. You know, they don't have amazing things that you don't have they, they tend to have experience and they'll probably have confidence it's probably the, mm. the the biggest difference i see is 
and particularly around like leadership as this magical skill. Um, my feedback when I was initially going for a director promotion is, oh, you need to work on leadership. So, so being the technically minded person I was, I'm like, right, I'm going to go out and buy some books on leadership and I'm going to read Let's those books. Let's find the formula. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? I'm going to figure out how to do good leadership, right? Which is, and my my reflection, gosh, almost a year and probably a little bit over a year and is you just got to do it and be confident in what you do. And when you see an opportunity, you take it and you do it. That's all, all I find leadership to be. And you can go and, and there's mountains of theory and everything behind it around and there's, there's ways to be a far more effective leader, absolutely. Mm. But the foundational concept is don't be afraid to just go and, and do and bring people along with you. Mm. So does that answer the question about imposter syndrome? Probably, I probably went off on a bit of a tangent. There. Nah, that was good. I actually, like, I love this. Yeah. It's not this big scary thing and the clarifying expectations makes mm. it huge because it is that imposter syndrome is literally only created by a gap in expectations. Yep. And most of them are unrealistic. So jumping back to what you said, though, around the people that make it are the ones who realize they aren't just this incredible person. Mm. Except at the same time, to get through, it's about that confidence. Mm. So where do you find, like, any advice on finding that Mm. balance? Because I don't think it's about not being an incredible person. I I think... The, yeah. the people we hire are incredible people to get mm. through the process that we run, <laughs> to be honest. I, I, I don't know that I'd make it through our um, our grade screening process. But it, it's not about that, you know, having confidence in your abilities and that you are capable. It, it's more about the mindset. If you come out of uni thinking you know everything, mm. you are going to hit a wall and people will then you're not going to be the person that people tap on the shoulder to come and help because that attitude will come through quite clearly it is the open learning mindset it is and look i'm i'm probably projecting a little bit of my values you know you know modesty competence those type of things right yeah. be good at what you do but understand that there is learning to be done and you can get better those are the two bits for me um in the same way that as you said when i joined here i i hadn't led a team i hadn't led people for ever i think in my career you know i think maybe once i might have had one person and i'd worked on teams so you know if i'd gone into that going well you know i'm sure i can pick this up um i probably wouldn't have done very well but i would have gone into it going okay and after that self-assessment okay well people seem to think i'm good at people so I'll, i'll go with what comes naturally and i'll learn what i can and i'll ask for help you know we have our our people team here when you have trouble or you don't know what to do you just go and ask them and go hey i'm having trouble with a counselee or what do yeah. i do with the situation yeah. go and ask for help right mm. and it, it's the same with um with grads and advisors and those coming through you know stick your hand up and ask for help you know the, uh, that's a much more preferable outcome than try and figure it out yourself you know dig yourself into a hole burn yourself out to get something across the line the person then goes well this isn't kind of what i was looking for you know stick your hand up you know do the work um, try your best, but ask for help. And again, it comes back to that expectation. Yeah. Thing. Interesting. So like for this then, yeah. what I find interesting is that if you were working mostly as a contractor mm. by yourself, this doesn't seem something that you would naturally build up in yourself. Mm. If you're working by yourself, was that like some, like what instilled this idea of constant learning? the modesty part into you, you think? Because it's like, that's, yeah. especially as a contractor, it's quite, 
I guess there's the point of you could be your harshest critic, but at yeah. the same time, it almost gives me this beautiful echo chamber of narcissism. Absolutely. And I think the, the, the constant learning thing, and um, I came to this realization fairly recently, is you know it's, it's about what motivates you. Uh, and I think for me, I wasn't aware of it. Again, it ties back to this director promotion, which from speaking about it seems like this major life event yeah. now. Um, and, and I was it was kind of in, the, in a weird position where I was quite happy being an associate director and came to mid-year and my boss said, hey, we should have a discussion about you know whether, you, whether you're ready. And we had that discussion and the decision was, oh, you're, you're probably not quite there yet. You need to work on some things. And I was devastated for like weeks, like really down in the dumps. And mm. I'm kind of reflecting going, why? Like going into the mid-year, I, I hadn't wanted this. So then I, but, but being told I wasn't ready really threw me. Um, yeah. So I was kind of like, what the hell is going on here? And mm. um, at the same time, I was having conversations with um, team members um, about how I found it very hard to take compliments. So if someone said you did a really good job, internally, I would always go either, okay, oh, well, that person doesn't really know, right? Because, you know, it, yeah. seemed, it seems good to them, but they're yeah, not an authority yeah. or... Um, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, I did pretty good, but I could have done more, right? So that was kind of there in the background as well. So I decided to have a chat to my dad about it. And my dad's a, a organizational psychologist, has worked in kind of leadership development and consulting his, his whole life. So pretty good resource to, yeah, to have a chat to. Um, and he sat there and he nodded and he nodded and he said, yep, I've, I've felt the same way for 60 odd years, 65 odd years. And I'm like, oh, okay. He says, yeah. So we talked about it and it was, it was all about achievement motivation. So mm. kind of what motivates you to, to do the next thing, to keep going, to drive and that type of stuff. And for me, it, it's a lot about achievement. And the easiest way to measure achievement with a job is promotion, salary, all those things, right? So mm. cool, got the next, next level up the hierarchy, I'm achieving, I'm doing well. Um, from I mean from a young age even contracting and in IT I always wanted to be learning more doing more getting better and and, in technology I took that through certification so I always had my certifications up to date I still have my technical certifications up to date even though I'm not on the tools so much anymore and that's really a a driver of cool I'm I'm progressing I'm going you know I'm not standing still um the the downside to that is I mean, it's, it's a fantastic motivator and a fantastic driver, and it, it really sure. pushes you to, to get better. What I reflected on with my dad was if you don't stop and actually be satisfied and kind of pleased with yourself for how far you've come, it becomes a real rod on your own back because you're essentially always striving for the next thing and never quite meeting it. Mm. So that was a really good piece of insight for me and it kind of really and I, I spent some time working with my dad with it and it was things like like for me felt very woo like it was um you know affirmations you know i'm i'm good at what i do and just repeating that in my head and things like that and just to set the base of you know i am actually doing a good job and the belief in i am actually doing a good job because mm. before people looking in would think oh yeah this guy's killing it he's doing a great job you know he must be you know, full of rainbows, but inside you're constantly going, oh, I need to do more, I need to do more, I need mm. to do more. Um, but I've got to the point now that I, I think that's still there. I'm still driven by it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm getting better at kind of stopping and going, actually, you, okay, I did I did a good job. That's fine. You know, I, I can accept that. Great, move on onto the next thing. And that's quite a hard balance to maintain. For sure. Like I can hear so many of our listeners just going, 
I think you just read my mail. Yeah. <laughs> Rereading my thoughts. Yeah. And like, I'd love to know some of those practical things yeah. as like possible. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's a really good call out. I mean, I think uni and school give you this fabulous structure. And at the end of every semester, you're getting told, are you achieving or not achieving? Yeah, and at, at the end great. of every semester, you go, here you go, you got A's, great job, you're a successful human being. And then you move into work and that structure is replaced a little bit with, you know, progression and and that type of stuff. We're okay. And and we're KPMG is an example, our when you're an advisor, we have three grades of advisor and then three grades of senior to get this nice progression each year and kind of there you go. When you start to get into more senior roles where you've got you're in a role for, you know, five years or yeah. or more. It's it's a lot more challenging, um, and then it's, it's when you start hitting these gates about promotion that it's those are the big meet or miss moments. Mm. Um, so as far as some of those practical examples, um, one of them was actually active affirmations, and look, it's it's probably a form of mindfulness. I won't pretend to be an authority on the subject. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I used those affirmations walking from the car into the car, and it's I'm good at what I do. Uh, proud of who I am and I'm good at what I do mm. and just repeating that to the car and back from the car and that wasn't a immediate thing it was just constantly telling yourself that in your mind like actively in your mind telling yourself that that was probably the most meaningful and then just being aware of the behaviors that I was doing like when someone pays you a compliment or congratulates you on a job well done going okay and stopping the voice in your head that goes but 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 and just taking the compliment and going, okay, cool, I did did pretty well there. So those those were kind of the two key ones for me. There, there's a ton of others. Um, my dad certainly keep, spoke about he keeps a journal, and mm. I, I don't know, if it's probably not a gratitude journal, but kind of a journal about how he's thinking, what happened, how he's feeling, and he says he can go back and look and see when he was starting to take that downward turn or or kind of come back up, up out of it um i don't personally have the discipline to keep a daily journal at the yeah, moment yeah. um so i'll stick to my affirmations and, and just being really aware of where my head's at mm. and i can tell now when i'm not in a good headspace and then it's about understanding Finding where that's coming from yeah i think so um just being aware of and again having a, a very understanding wife who will call me out when i'm she, she will be, it's very easy for her to tell when I'm not in a good headspace. But then I just need to understand where that's coming from. So it might be from there's a lot of stress at work because there's a lot of stuff due. Yeah. Dead, deadlines always hit and you've got three projects due Friday and it's Thursday and you've got a lot of work to do, right? So that can be a cause of it. Um, but equally, before I joined a consulting firm, I think I was in a point where I was bored professionally. And I think that came from I wasn't advancing. I wasn't achieving. I wasn't doing that. And I spent a lot of time talking about feeling that way and actually moving to consulting, I took as the awesome, this is going to address this. And it did in hindsight. If I look back on four odd years, mm. I've grown massively as a person, but it was really bloody hard. <laughs> <laughs> so Growth is painful. Growth is painful. But yeah, I, I can look back and go, I'm a totally different person. I've grown massively. And look, practically, like public speaking, you know, this, this typical fear that people have, you know, I think I learned that by getting thrown in the deep end. Um, my boss saying, oh, I've got this speaking gig. Um, I can't make it. Can you do it? It's, it's a 20 minute thing. Turned out to be, you know, the day two opening keynote at a New Zealand hospitality conference. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you kind of go, okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, room full of, you know, hundreds of people and, and speaking in front of that, right? So that was, a, again, painful and scary when you do it. 
but now it's a skill that you can look back and say, oh, can you go to a speaking gig? Yeah, that's fine. So it's, it's just facing those things and getting good at them, I guess. Mm, for sure. I love um, something you actually talked about with me when I was like because you've been awesome in my journey it was cool for like this since I got to work with Jeff during my internship it was great yep. we had an awesome talk about imposter syndrome and that's why I thought we had to mention it yep. but I remember a couple of weeks ago when we were just having a chat mm. and then you're saying how are you celebrating yeah and I remember sitting there going like oh what do you mean Jeff it's like the end of the semester yeah we got like a big um like um business event as we <laughs> yeah. have fun. and he's like no but how are you celebrating that's yeah. just one party and it's like that thing and I, I thought that was really insightful mm. but actually yeah and I think that's again from experience because I, I, I don't do it either but I mean for, for context for the conversation I think for you you were you know you'd done summer school picked up a bunch of papers um, and were doing fantastically well um, you know A's and all the rest and you're going cool and then I'm going to do my podcast and I'm going to have that done by November and then I'm going to finish uni in November and then this and I, and I could just hear in the and then and then and then and then and then mm. and that was kind of the at what point do you stop and go, man, I did really awesome that semester mm. and man, I'm, you know, I'm going to be finished my degree and all those things. And it's not about having a, a one-off, hey, awesome, I did a good job night out. It's actually stopping, clearing your head, yep, did a great job, let's move on to the next thing and stopping that um, treadmill of next, 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 next. So, mm. so, so did you come up with a solution? Did you stop and <laughs> celebrate? Or? I did in there, yes. Yeah, so I was nice. like actually slowing down. And I think that pausing and reflecting is so mm. countercultural in a way. Like yeah. it's not something especially, um, it, even for New Zealand, like we had the lockdown. Mm. It paused us for a second, but then yeah. New Zealand's in the lucky position. Now we're back. Yep. And I'm noticing it's interesting watching the people around you of who actually changed. Yeah. And like new normal get chucks around a lot, but yeah, did you have something? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I see it speaking with clients and it, I, I see them falling into two camps. One of them is, right, we had COVID, we had lockdown, we're through it, back to normal. Mm. And and that comes that's through things like you know working from home. Working from home is probably the biggest one because it's it's really yeah. obvious, right? But then the other group is we had lockdown, we did things differently, it worked really well. What are we going to keep? And what are we going to keep changing? And at the same time, some of those organisations that used lockdown to really push forward, particularly with some of their tech rollouts because they had to. Yeah. Some of them are going oh, okay, cool, back to business as usual. Um, some of them are going no, nah, we're going to push ahead. Um, so, yeah, and I think absolutely, you know, we were all looking around here um, going, okay, well, we're through lockdown. Um, you know, we're shaking hands again, all the rest. But, you know, what is, have we learned anything? Are we doing anything yeah. differently? It's, it is. And, and on a small scale, absolutely. I think, you know, as you go from, we sit on a small scale here, when you go, you go project to project to project, we're engagement, 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 as, yep. we, as we say. And we're very good at, the, there's the chase of, of getting a piece of work and then you win it and you feel really excited about winning it and then you, you might deliver it and that's really good and then you're on to the next one. Mm. We very rarely stop, celebrate, hey, we did a really good job on this piece of work. Um, let's mm. take our learnings. Let's It's stuck nuts. On to the next, on to the next, on to the next. So that that pausing to to celebrate and take learnings I think is really important. But you're right, it's 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 not something that you people actively do. 
yeah that's slowing down totally and i think i'm glad <laughs> yeah <laughs> you realize that yeah because that is that thing of going actually especially if you've got that drive for achievement mm. and it's that thing you're encouraged especially with uni there's always an assignment and that constant feedback can be addictive yeah in all honesty like have you found yourself with a performance addiction <laughs> that's a really like, interesting yeah. way to describe it um i i think there's two sides so, so one is the negative which is when you're not getting i suppose it's the same thing um i do you do really want that feedback from clients and it's it can be very yeah. hard when you have almost a feedback vacuum so you're delivering work and i think you try very hard all the time to understand and you have to um is the client happy with what they're getting? Are they, you know, is this what they're looking for? And you ask those questions. And that, that serves two purposes. One is, you know, we're, we're delivering outputs to a client and we want them to be happy. But there is that personal element too of, am I pleasing this person? Mm. Um, which probably isn't the healthiest, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I suspect. Um, so as an addiction, no. Um, the other experience is winning work because it's a big part of selling and winning work yeah. is you get this massive um it feels really mm. awesome to win a piece of work um you know the big piece of work little piece of work whatever it is when you get a, a signed yes back you always feel great but then there's always the next day this tail and you sort of feel like you're down in the dumps because you have to start it all over again mm. so it probably is following that cycle of cool got my hit yeah that's awesome then oh god now i need to go chase my next hit um yeah. and that, that's around sales i guess if i think more broadly if i did no learning and i did no like for example my certifications if i didn't do those every couple of years if i didn't feel i was growing and learning i wouldn't feel right and i think it would start to affect my mental state and mm. i've been lucky that in a consulting firm i have been constantly learning for the last four years because there's this huge gap of things you have, down to things like how do our risk processes work you know i'm really good at how those work now right and that was a bunch of learning um the work we deliver to clients like operating model design and things like that um that's cool because they're always different you're always learning and you're learning about how an organization works and that's yeah. learning right so i think it's more for me about learning and growth and then the achievement stuff is a, is a part of that and that's more where i see coming from my employer mm. of you know am i getting good performance ratings am i getting you know my pay rises and bonuses am i getting promoted am i on the path to whatever's next that's kind of the, that element of it and then the, the second part of it is that learning so I, if i'm mm. i have to be learning something yeah actually i'd love to hear because i think like some firms are real cool and proactive with actually teaching mm. their employees how to learn but what would be some practical books like um i know you read a lot books, of okay yeah like if there's anything are there any what's your like three favorite books that you just go honestly i've read this it was so good it's interesting being in technology the, the a lot of the learning i'm doing is not book based oh yeah so i think there there are technical certifications that i do that i keep current that expire every couple of years those might like my um azure cloud yeah. google cloud um AWS. So I make sure I'm always current on those certifications mm. and those are practical experience plus some study guides and stuff. So that's just kind of the technical. Um, then there's kind of the whatever's going on with technology at the moment. And mm. I've got, I use app called Feedly that's RSS feeds for a whole bunch of different things. So is that downloadable for anyone? Yeah, absolutely. And you can add whatever feeds you want depending on your interests. So, so what is that called again? Feedly, F-E-E-D-L-Y. Nice. So 
that in that I've got a bunch of technology ones, a bunch of gaming ones because I'm interested in gaming, um, cryptocurrency ones, and it's just a constant stream of articles. So that's kind of my ah. constant. I'm flicking through, you know, daily. So good, yeah. Just getting a view of kind of what's going on, and it's things like Harvard Business Review as well, and you know things like that. That I'm not necessarily reading every article because yeah, I just don't. But getting an idea and when something's interesting, jumping on it. So I'm far more of that. So I'm kind of. When I'm out there talking to someone about what's going on, I'm up to date and relevant on what's happening in the technology uh, world. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, one of one of my reflections working with uh, one of my colleagues, one of my colleagues, a, a client, he's been working a lot with kind of a, a leadership coach and doing a lot of self assessment at the moment, and has found it really valuable. And we had a really good chat about it. And he said his biggest thing was he realised how little time he spent on himself. Uh. And I and I, th- I sat back and went. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I get that. Um, I mean, when was the last time you sat down and spent two hours figuring out? Because I, I think he was doing, um, he was working through a book called What Colors Your Parachute? And it's about career changing and um, kind of what do you want to do in the future type stuff. So I'm, I'm having a read through it just out of interest at the moment. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is about kind of what type of workplace do you like working in? What type of people mm. do you like working with? And, you know, all that type of stuff. But I bought the book. I haven't sat down and spent the two hours to go through the self-assessment yeah. thing, right? So it comes back to this, you're not, you're not spending time on yourself and understanding what you want to do, where you want to go, that type of thing. You're just kind of jumping from one thing to the next because it makes logical sense. Which it, that's even more than just a celebration, actually reflecting and yeah. understanding it, you. It's the next stage of that, right? It's like, yeah, well, yeah. What, what do I actually want to do, right? Yeah. And I, I think I'm I'm trying to avoid the typical midlife crisis situation, <laughs> right? But um, yeah, understanding, you know, because you, you probably got that, that um, sort of intrinsic, this feels good, this doesn't feel good, but actually sitting back and having a conscious like why what type of environment do i like working yeah. on what and like you'll know when you're working with someone whether you like working with them or not but actually the as you say the why did i enjoy working with this person you know what are the qualities of someone that i want to work with mm. you know so doing that work so it's on my list whether i get to it or not we'll we'll find out yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure yeah, i think yeah. it's so valuable for us young professionals because especially like it's when we start our career it's mm. like this big we've got to run for the promotion. It's actually going, well, do I actually want that? Like, is is, is, <laughs> yeah, is and, that something I'm going to enjoy if I get there? Yeah, and I think that the early days are, are very structured. So I think it's yeah. it, you, you have a lot of support from that early stages, right? So you've got the standard progression scheme, you've got how we induct people, you've got training that everyone does and you're learning on the job. And, you know, so I, th- I think those early years, as long as you've got that open learning mindset yeah. and the drive, I think you'll be absolutely fine. Awesome. You know, so you just show up, do what you're told, use your brain, um, go to the trainings. I think you'll you'll succeed and do really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the core thing for me. I, th- I think when you start getting through, I mean, through the advisor ranks, then you get through senior advisor. That's I think that senior advisor level is kind of we where I see a lot of our team kind of go. Am I enjoying this? Do I want to be a consultant? Do I want to go try to do something else? And then the next kind of big gate is around our manager level. Yeah. And when you get to that level, that's where it's you see a lot of, okay, I've been doing this for a while now. I've got a really valuable set of skills on my CV. Do I want to go and work in in corporates or in government or somewhere else? So that's probably the other kind of big gate is when you get to that manager level. And that's five, six years in. 
And then when you get to the senior roles, um, by the time you're at sort of senior manager, associate director, those you're in you're in those roles for a few years. So yeah. you're either kind of on on the path to progress or you decide you want to go do something different. And then by the time you get up to director partner, who bloody knows? It's, it's yeah. a, um, I, I think the commitment to be a, a partner at a big full firm from what I've seen is, you know, you're committing to that being a part a part of your identity and part of your life. You know, is it's not just this is my job. It's mm. I am a partner at a firm, you know, and that's a big part of, of your identity. Mm, for sure. Um, I'd love to ask you, a bit around the tech space because mm-hmm. like it's real cool to you know up to date with the all the um technology trends as well as your yep. certifications what would be the things that excite you most about technology at the moment oh interesting question um throughout my career i've always tried to remain broad yeah um rather than specialize mm. in, in one particular field so if i look around at the moment i think the, the stuff that everyone will tell you is, you know, tech's moving faster than ever. Yeah. Um, it's continuing to accelerate, all those things. Um, for me personally, what I get excited by is actually organizations getting in a position to start leveraging some of this stuff. So mm. it's not necessarily about a single technology. You know, I think, you know, AI machine learning, exciting, amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, 5G is going to be really really interesting to see what use cases come out of it you know cloud is just a given now everyone's using it and it continues to grow and you know uh an azure data center in new zealand is going to be really awesome for a whole bunch of reasons Mm. um so this and that's the stuff that i'm consuming daily going what's going on in these spaces cool that's great but all of that is meaningless if organizations can't actually take advantage of it Mm. and i think that's what is really rewarding is seeing organizations get better at that because for a lot of them actually just delivering stable performant IT services they don't do well so you can't have a conversation about AI if you can't keep the lights on so just getting organizations to the point that actually okay we're doing the basics really really well now we can start doing cool exciting innovative stuff yeah yeah for sure so that's what I like doing I mean we've been doing a little bit of it at the moment but it's it's less sexy and exciting. You know, everyone go, oh, cool, we're going to use AI to go solve this amazing problem. That's really exciting. Totally. But actually, let's get the foundations right first. Mm. Anything else? Um, in the technology space, what else? I mean, I think part of it for me is you have to set the limits of kind of what you can understand, which is a new experience for me. Like crypto as an example, I very quickly realized this isn't something I'm going to be deep on. So I've, I keep enough of a tab on to understand what's going on with blockchain, mm. cryptocurrencies, that type of stuff, but I'm not an expert. Yeah. And, and that was a real um, difficult headspace to go, to kind of go. With that achievement drive, eh? Yeah, I'm just, I can't, I'm just not going to get into it. And, and data science was the other one, right? So when I joined here, I was helping, we've got a whole division called Lighthouse that do data science analytics. And kind of being on the edges of it going, okay, cool, complex technical area. I started scratching the surface and went, you know what? this isn't an area that I'm going to be good at because mm. I just, I don't have the academic background. I don't have the maths. I don't have that stuff. So again, I understand enough that I can talk about it intelligently, but again, made the decision of, cool, I'm going to leave that one to this team over here. Yeah. And, and that's, that's real hard. <laughs> I th- oh, it, and I think that's actually such a struggle. I really find it cool that you actually stay broad because it almost gives, 
young professionals that permission because that's the mm. thing like you get that drive of especially with achievement it feels good to be like i mastered this yeah and there's the whole yell ten thousand hour rule and that actually gets thrown yeah. around but actually there's a specialty and a comfort mm. in actually being able to sit and actually understand it properly and, and that's to be honest consulting so particularly when you're in the, the earlier the advisor levels, mm. you're not expected to specialize. And, yeah. and specializing that early isn't really going to help for you. Mm. I think the skills you're looking for there are, you know, can you hold a conversation? Can you learn? Can you, you know, come up with ideas? Can you look at an issue? You know, th- those kind of skills, problem solving, rather than I know all about supply chain. It's, yeah. it's only when you really get to kind of that manager level that you're expected to kind of have a an area of specialty that you're that you're then developing, um, and even then, you know, I, I do technology. You know, technology is, is broad, <laughs> right? And there's plenty of people that are way deeper than me in a number of areas that I cover. For sure, but I bring an understanding of all these things that we can say, okay, cool, we need to dive into that area. Let's go over there. And this is the um, we talk about T-shaped consultants which is you have broad knowledge to a, a level and then deep knowledge in a particular area. Yeah. Um, but that's probably changing a bit, particularly with New Zealand because of our scale, that you kind of need to be deep in a few. So, ah, yeah. you know, broad across a number of areas. Like if, if I went and talked to a client, I could probably talk about technology in depth. I could talk a little bit about supply chain. I could talk about procurement. I could talk about, about the general challenges that they've got. Then I would say, great, I'll go re- reach out to my colleague and I'll bring them out here to talk to you about this area in depth because yeah. I don't have that, right? Um, and that that's really, if you can get into that headspace, it's awesome. But you need to be comfortable that you're not going to be an expert in everything because there's just too much to be an expert in. Mm. Mm, for sure. Yep. There's so much. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's real good, I think, as well, like for exploring and taking the opportunities at the start, especially mm. when we're in the start of our career, and then deciding later on, does this, do I actually enjoy this? Yep. Like what are those things actually that made you go, okay, I do want to understand a little bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm sticking fairly close to my roots. You know, so I've, you know, I was mucking around with PCs when I was six, right, and haven't really strayed that far since. Um, sticking around IT infrastructure, you know, service storage, networking, things like that, and then just going a bit wider. So now when we're talking about um, IT organization design, IT operating models, you know, I bring all that understanding from being in an IT shop. Yeah. So it's, it's still, it's using that experience that I've had and a bunch of skills I've learned to deliver something greater than the sum of its parts, I guess. And mm. so I am I know that that interests me and I know that that excites me where there's other things that I'm less interested in. So, for example, again, supply chain, you know, never really learned about it. It's interesting, but I could tell you right now that I'm, it's not something I'm going to specialise in in any meaningful way. Um, I think that just comes when you work on stuff you can very quickly if you're working on a project you'll very quickly say hey this is really interesting Mm. or no this isn't really interesting at all (laughs) Um, and I guess the other element of of the learning it's not just about those functional areas it's about the organizations too and I think that's that's something I really enjoy is in the in part of doing the work we do is understanding how a big government department works or how a big corporate works or even just IT at a big corporate understanding how they work and what they deliver. You know, that that I find that fascinating. Um, and I think that's you know, you get to see behind the curtains between some of these big brand names yeah, that you yeah. that you see out there. 
Mm, cool. What's been the best piece of advice you'd say you've probably been given? The best piece of advice I've been given? Um, I think one of them is was don't be afraid to ask for help. And I mm. think I could have had that advice a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the biggest. Um, and I think we certainly don't have a culture here of that being a problem. Like, yep. again, much prefer you ask for help than drown, you know, <laughs> or, or, or not deliver what you want. That's probably one. Um, and the other was probably around, it's not fake it till you make it, um, but it's, it's just being aware of the, the fact that you can actually do things like rather than waiting yeah. for permission. I, I don't know that it's a specific piece of advice, but it is that... Around confidence? It's probably confidence, yeah. Um, but just kind of the, we'll just go and do it. Yeah. You know, rather than sitting back and coming up with reasons why you can't or trying to figure out the way that you can, just being say, we'll just go do it. Mm. You know, I, I think that's probably got me really, really far. Um, even early days in my career, right? When, you know, before I was in a consulting firm, you know, the reasons that I moved so quickly or grew so much in my career was I saw a problem. I'm like, yep, sweet, we can sort that. Let's go do that. Um, not not to the point of recklessness, obviously, but, yeah. you know, I can see how we can fix this. Let's go do that. Mm. Um, that's probably the other. So th those are probably my two, my two biggest. Mm. That's so helpful, I think, especially like <laughs> for us is actually at the start, you don't know stuff. Mm -hmm. You have permission not to know it yes a hundred percent and i think if you couple that with initiative as well probably which is the second yeah it's, it's initiative and there is that permission that you don't know stuff but there is an expectation that you'll try and figure it out you yeah know, no, no one wants to be sitting here trying to spoon feed someone going what do i do next what do i do next what do i do next mm. you know kind of i think the what, what i've seen work is is you give the broad strokes this is what i want this is how i'd suggest you get there go away and ask for help when you need it because because from a, a manager perspective you're kind of serving two purposes here is you're wanting to get the work done but you're wanting to develop this person as well yeah and and if you don't do the development part it doesn't work for you because you end up having to continue to spoon feed the person and it doesn't work for the other person because they don't advance yeah so i think that's that's the nature of that relationship in the early stages is you're there you're expected to to help to deliver but you're also expected to learn so if you're not sure what you're being asked to do, ask. Yeah. But also use your brain and try and figure out the best way to get there. Mm, that's really good. Mm. Is there any piece of advice you'd love to share with the young professionals listening? Young professionals listening. Um, look, regardless of whether you're, you're joining a consulting firm or a corporate or, or whatever it is, I, I think it is that mindset will make or break you early on. So I think that coming into an organisation, you know, confident that you've just done a good job at uni or you've just completed uni and stop and celebrate that for a minute. Um, but you need to come in with that that open learning mindset. So, yeah. you know, you need to be there that there, there might be people in that organisation that have been there for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is, that might think differently, but have a wealth of knowledge. Um, so just come into that organisation, be ready to learn, be ready to challenge at times, but be ready to kind of adopt, what, not adopt, that's the wrong word. Just be open to learn, I think is probably mm. the, the key takeaway um, because you're going to be doing a lot of it for the next few years.
Mm. So good. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. No worries, Kevin. Awesome. Thanks for that. Hey, thank you, Jeff, so much for your transparency and sharing so many parts of your journey with us. I've found the habit of celebrating wins so important because it makes me pause and enjoy the view like we talked about. Too often we get caught up in what's next and we miss how good it is to be where we are now. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with those who can really benefit from listening. Let's get the Story Hub out there so more people can be inspired and live smarter. Next week, we have a conversation that is quite different from the other journeys this season. We hear from Quincy Wong, an immigrant from Hong Kong who now works as a mortgage broker in her own business. Quincy's time in New Zealand has been anything but easy. She's had to raise two kids while being on a salary of 24k per year and has built her business up from the ground. She shares about her mindset of resilience that has helped her overcome adversity and the challenges as an immigrant to New Zealand. I found her journey particularly inspiring because she kept on going no matter the setbacks she faced. If you're wanting to be inspired and encouraged, please come and listen to this episode next week. And if you know any international students, why not share this episode with them? I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you next week. Until then, haere rā.